If you have your Bibles to follow along with me, we'll go to the first book in Genesis. If you go to the very beginning of the book and turn to the right, you'll get to chapter 4 pretty quickly. And that's where we're going. Genesis 4. And I'm just reading a few verses uh, today in this story. Genesis chapter 4 will begin with verse 3. I think um, our teens may have covered this in Sunday school a little bit earlier. Genesis chapter 4, verse beginning our, our reading in verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. For a few weeks now, we've been looking at the human heart, looking at our own hearts. And when I speak about that, I'm not talking about the organ in your body that pumps the blood through and makes that sound. It's not that. I'm talking about today the seat of our emotions, the, our core, our inner being. And I've made an observation before that I, I truly do not know the depth of depravity of the human heart. I have seen things in, in my 58 years of living and, and have certainly uh, watched the news as you have. And, and every time I think that I have seen the bottom, something that's so poor or so bad and so evil, well, every time I think I've seen now that in my mind, that, that is as low as a person can sink. It seems like something else happens in the headlines that, that confirms the fact that the human heart is depraved, left to our own devices. We have a heart that get, that's capable of, of awful things. Perhaps that explains why... Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know what? Even Christians wrestle with heart issues. Some things will come out of our own hearts that once it happens, there's like an eruption. Once this happens, we, it's, it's, it, it catches us off guard. and Something comes out of us that makes us ask the question, where did that come from? And we've been discovering in a series that we are going through called It Came From Within. That Jesus gave us a truth about this. And Jesus revealed that the evil that, that comes out of our hearts and erupts out of our hearts actually uh, is from within. He, he, as you will recall, was scolded because his disciples didn't ceremonially clean their hands. And, and that broke a religious rule. And they said that that's defiling them. And Jesus revealed that, no, the things that, that make a person unclean and impure come from within. And you'll remember the word picture that I gave to you. Of, uh, and we've all seen this probably in documentaries on TV when the wildebeest are on a migration and they, they've traveled so many miles through the dust and they finally come to a watering hole and it looks so serene. It looks so placid. 
And the younger ones usually are the first ones to the watering hole. The older ones seem to hold back. And out there floating around out there is just this little thing that looks a little bit like that. Just like a little log. Just a little bit of something out there. It looks innocent and serene. What they do not understand is just under the surface of that plastic calm water is a beast that is waiting for them to come get a drink. And suddenly as they're there, and we've all seen this sad, sad sight, some 20-foot monster comes up and clamps its jaws on them and drags them to their death and consumes them. And, and our hearts can be like that. It can seem to be placid and calm on the inside, but just under the surface of our hearts, things can come out from within our own hearts. And Christians have heart issues. And we can have hideous, terrible, monstrous things come out of us. And once they erupt like that, they cause us to be taken aback at our own self and say, how did that happen? Where did that come from? I thought that I, that, that I, I was better than that. And again, we, we're dealing with the fact that Jesus revealed that these things come from within us. But I don't want to leave us with that kind of sad, bad news. There's some good news. The good news is that Jesus gives us the wherewithal to slay these monsters and do away with them. And they don't have to be there anymore. But it's going to take a commitment for it to happen. Today we're going to be looking at... We've spent some time looking at some other subjects in these beasts. We spent a little bit of time talking about lying and how a lie can just erupt from us. But we spent a little more time talking about bitterness and then rage. You'll remember the message, there she blows. And how in a rage we can just go off and do destructive, horrible things. And today we're going to look at another very hideous thing that can be in the the heart of a human being. And that would be envy. Envy is a a hideous thing. Sometimes when we think of envy, and I'll interchange that with the word jealousy, we think of the green-eyed monster. We think about this thing that can can be inside of us. And I want to tell you, folks, it is a hideous thing that can lie within our hearts. comes from within. It doesn't take very long at all for envy to show up in our Bibles and for it to rear its ugly head and do terrible things. We just read the story of Cain and Abel. They were the two sons of the very first human beings who ever walked the face of this earth. The two human beings that, that were created by God, not born in the way that you and I were born. And they, they then had uh, sons, Cain and Abel. It's four chapters removed from the beginning of the book. And here it is, envy coming up. And we see that envy surfaces in the heart of Cain. And driven by that envy, he does an unspeakable, hideous, heinous thing. He becomes so envious over the fact that God accepted Abel's sacrifice while rejecting his. That he lashed out and he in a premeditated fashion, killed his own brother. There's a great lesson in the contrast between the brothers and their approach of worship. And we'll get to this a little bit in this sermon. But for the most part, I'm going to leave that because I want us to focus on the fact uh, or on the, the, the hideous thing that comes out of here, Cain's envy. And it became hideous. 
I want us to see the truth about envy today because I fear that many Christians don't think that envy and jealousy is a very big deal. And I want us, hopefully, I I pray that God helps us pull the mask off and reveal that it's not just that, that little portion that we see just at the surface. There's a monster with envy, and it can be a hideous, ugly thing. It can create horrible damage both in our own hearts and then in the lives of other people. It can cause tremendous damage. And I pray that God will help us see it isn't a small thing. Envy and jealousy is hideous. Let me share a few observations with you about it. But first I need to just give a quick disclaimer and tell you a a lot of the information that I gleaned for this sermon, I I gleaned from uh, Pastor Andy Stanley. I read something that he wrote on this subject. I thought it was so good. I'm sort of using some of his material. So you need to know I'm not as smart as I'm going to sound in just a second. Okay, I borrowed some of this. One thing that I want to observe with you is that envy is a heart issue indeed. Verses 4 and 5 of our text will, will show us that. Do you see Cain's reaction to the fact that God rejected his sacrifice and accepted his brothers? It made him sad. And it made him, the Bible says, very angry. Very seldom will the Bible not understate something. (laughs) And so for the Bible to say in the NIV, it made Cain very angry. This This is really a strong anger in Cain's heart, obviously. And that is that is what what was happening with his heart. As soon as God rejected him and received Abel's sacrifice, then Cain's heart issue came to the surface. Number one, let me put it frankly to you. If he if he would have loved his God better, if he would approach his worship better than this issue never would have happened. But here's the problem. He had a heart issue, so he didn't love God enough. And so what he did is his worship was half-hearted. Now, husbands, let me talk to you for a second and just give you a caution here. Okay? And those of you who are aspiring husbands, let me tell you something. If you half-heartedly love your wife, she's not going to put up with that very long. I'm just going to tell you that you can tell her you love her, but if it's half-hearted and you're half-hearted in your relationship with her, it won't be long before she starts to call you on it. How much more fitting is it for a God who knows everything, for a God who is perfect and holy and just and righteous to desire and demand from His followers that when we worship, we worship with everything we got. Here's what God wants from you more than anything. And and I've talked to you a little bit about this before. This is what he desires more than anything. He put it in a command. Love the Lord your God with everything you are. With everything. That's that's what he wants from human beings. That's what he has done. This Because he wants your love, he sent his son. Because he wants your love, Jesus died on a cross. It's all about having a relationship with people. And so when Cain approached worship half-heartedly, and the Bible doesn't tell us that he took from the best. The Bible said he took some of the fruits of his labors. It didn't say his first fruits. It didn't say the best fruits. He just brought something. And I believe 
wholeheartedly that what happened was he came before the Lord glibly, kind of taking his worship more as a duty. I just need to do this and I want God's blessing, so I'm just going to do this. And I hope that you're listening to me here this morning because God help America. We're so guilty of this. We bring the Lord leftovers. We bring the Lord leftover worship. And so anyway, Cain brings that kind of half-hearted commitment to the Lord. And, and the Lord rejected him. And Abel comes before the Lord. He brings the, the best, the fatted portions, the best from his first fruits. Out of gratitude, he offers them up to God. And he worships with all of his heart, with all the gratitude that a human being can have. And God received him. That sparked something in the heart of Cain because Cain had a heart issue. He didn't love his God enough. And I just, you know, I don't want to go too much further with this, but I shudder at the thought of worshiping God half-heartedly. I don't want to be guilty of that. But secondly, and this is something that also belies the fact that, that Cain had a heart issue. When his sadness and his anger surfaced, God graciously spoke to him and pointed out very clearly to Cain how he could remedy the problem. All he said to Cain was, Cain, all you have to do is love me and worship me the way I want you to worship me. And won't I certainly receive you? Even after Cain had come to him in a wrong way, God was more than open for Cain to make it right with him. And I think some of us here would have ran right out and gotten the best and would have come back to a place of worship and we would have offered that up with our gratitude and say, Lord, I apologize. You're right. You deserve this. But that's not what Cain did. Cain sought and he looked at his brother because he had been received and he began to get jealous of his brother Abel, and he envied him. Envy is a heart issue. Have you ever heard somebody make a statement, something like, oh, that guy, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. And then kind of imply that his life is easier. Or something like, if I had the money that that person had, I'd have a good life too, and I certainly wouldn't waste it the way she does. Or perhaps you have thought, had a thought like Asaph in Psalm 73, who confessed to envy and wicked people because they seemed to him to have a life that was prosperous and carefree. He even admitted to wondering, why do I try so hard to be pure in heart when my life seems hard and for them life seems easy? Envy had gotten a hold of him. And he was considering giving up a pure walk with God, Asaph was. Anything like that ever surface in your heart? She's too pretty. She doesn't deserve a good husband like him. He's a good guy. How did she get him? Or guys, how did that ugly dog get such a pretty woman? If I were her husband, I'd treat her like a queen. If I were black and athletic and six foot five, I could dunk too. You hear what I'm saying? It's hideous. It's ugly. Ever celebrate somebody else's failures? I hope not. Because often that's driven by, by envy. Someone doesn't succeed at something and in your heart you're kind of glad. Makes you feel a little better about yourself. Someone falls and you celebrate a little bit in your heart. 
Somehow when someone, especially someone who seems to be more blessed than us, has a reverse, it somehow makes us feel better. What a hideous thing jealousy and envy can be. Make no mistake about it, my friends. Envy is a heart issue. It's a problem. And it comes from within. Cain fixated on Abel after God didn't receive him. And instead of listening to God's easy remedy, he began to blame the issue on Cain or on Abel. But the problem resided in his own heart. And there was no solution in what he did. It wasn't the other person. It was him. And he didn't want to face the fact that it was he who had heart issues. The second thing that segues into my second observation, and I want to observe with you about envy and jealousy, is it's misdirected anger, often misdirected anger. Verses 6 and 7 We read the story and it's pretty easy to come to the conclusion that Cain got angry with Abel, so he killed him. He got angry. He was mad at his brother because God had received his brother's offering and had not received Cain's. In fact, that is true. But what Cain failed to understand is that his anger was misdirected. Cain might have been angry at Abel, but he actually had a problem with God. His real anger was at God. He just didn't want to face that. He didn't deal with it. He envied his brother because God God accepted him, but he did not receive his own. And what, when that happened in the heart of Cain, it was he was thinking something like, God, you did me wrong. Life isn't fair. That's not fair. You received Abel's, Abel's sacrifice and received him. You didn't receive me. God, you did me wrong. And a lot of people feel that way today. A lot of people feel like God has shafted them. Like God hasn't been fair to them. Someone has more money than we do and it's not fair. Somebody's better looking or more talented or smarter or somebody got a promotion and we didn't. And that's not fair. Someone is healthier than we are and and, That's not fair. And we can allow our hearts to lead our mind to thinking, why does God bless other people and not bless me? I need to remind you of something that I prayed about today that I try to keep in my mind. If you can't be thankful for anything else today, can I encourage you to do something? Thank God for what did not happen to you this week. Just be grateful for what didn't occur. Because in other places in the world, it happened. To other people, it happened. If you can't focus on anything else to be thankful for, certainly we can think about that. Amen? Because one thing that I have discovered is our lives are in a very, very precarious balance. And our fruit basket gets upset in a heartbeat. And life can absolutely, completely, totally change in a nanosecond for us. Amen. So for whatever things that I have endured, I am very grateful to God for what didn't happen. I had the privilege this week uh, to have our youngest son drive down from 
Southern Maryland. And I guess that would be up, wouldn't it? From Southern Maryland. And he and his fiance were up to visit with us for a couple of days. And it was just such a blessing to me to spend time with my son, Tyler. And I was thanking God that Tyler is still here. Because it wasn't too long ago that Tyler was in a very scary accident that by all rights could have killed him. He emerged, he hung upside down. His car flipped in this accident. He was trying to avoid a deer. He ended up upside down in a ditch with water filling up his car. And he was there 20 minutes before he was able to free himself enough to get out of the car. Tyler could be in glory today. And that would be good for him. But I promise you, it wouldn't be good for me. And so I remember just when uh, Tyler and his mom were laughing and yucking it up, just sitting there looking at him and saying, Jesus, thank you. He's still here. And I'm grateful for that. Oh, sometimes envy can take our minds to places that just are outright hideous. And we can forget to even thank God for the good things because we're mad at God. And we get in a place where we feel like God hasn't been treating us rightly. When envy and jealousy surfaces from within our hearts, it can cause some ugly things. If you have thoughts like God hasn't been fair to you, your issue really isn't with other people. And so often when we feel this way, we lash out on the people we are closest to. Our spouses, our children get it. And we have to be so very careful And let me let you in on something today that you already know. Mistreating people because you're envious won't solve your issue any more than Cain slaying his brother solved it for him. All that it will do is create even more problems for you. And when envy and jealousy surfaces and and you lash out on other people, it doesn't help anything. It makes it worse. It is certainly a flaw in humanity to misdirect anger. And lash out on the very people who are closest to us when we're going through stress. And spouses and children suffer every day because of this. I would submit that Cain had opportunity to lay out his anger before God. His sadness before God. And God had not shut him out. He had opportunity to make this right in a heartbeat. God wasn't holding anything against him. God was just saying, next time Cain, come to me with all you are. I'll receive you. I'll be happy to. I want to. Are you angry at God today? I pray not. You might even be a little bit angry with me for this message this morning. I hope not. But when you're jealous and envious, it's possible that you're, you may be lashing out at others, but your real anger is at God. And maybe something inside of you says, God, you owe me. You did me wrong. I want to say something I hope all of us will receive today and understand today. And uh, so please be open-minded for a couple moments here. God never claimed to be fair as we understand fairness. You see, if he was fair as we define it, everyone would start out with the same level of intelligence and and talent and looks, etc., as everyone else. But God doesn't do that. He makes a variety of people for his own purposes. And his purposes and his ways are higher than our ways. 
He values people all the same. But for us to say that he creates us equally in all fashions and form would not be accurate. We're equal in value. We're equal in love. But we're not equal in capacity. And that's okay. If God were a fair God, as we define fairness, then he would punish every single sin and all of us would be out of here. I'm really glad God's not fair and treats me as my sin deserves, but that he has loved me and given me his grace. The Bible tells us that God does as he pleases. And I have to say this to you. I hope you don't get angry with this, but I'm going to say it. Who are we? Who is a human being to question God and expect him to give an answer to you about how he decides to do something? He's the living God. The third thing that I want to observe to you is, and this is the insidious thing about envy, it feeds other sins. It, it gives birth to them. Verse 8, the horrible thing happens. Cain literally lures his brother into a field. This was premeditated. He thought about this. And he killed him. He took his brother's life. In a, in a brutal way, by the way. But just, he took his life. He was so blinded by jealousy and envy. Instead of going to God and listening to God to solve the issue, which wasn't as big as he made it to be, he killed his flesh and blood, blood brother. In this case, envy fed bitterness. And bitterness fed anger. And anger fed enough rage and premeditation to kill his own brother. How tragic. That's how envy works, by the way. Way back when it began in his heart, he could have dealt with this thing. It wouldn't have been a big deal. It wasn't that gigantic in his heart yet. But the problem with envy is it grows and grows and grows and it gets bigger and bigger and then it gives birth to other things in our hearts. And before we know it, we're doing something that we would never think of doing when we are in rational thinking mode. Who here would, would in a rational moment, kill their spouse or kill their brother or sister? But this shows you the depth of the human heart. Way back to the like the fourth human being. It's a hideous, scary, terrible thing to look at what it will do. It happens every single day. Out of envy, people rob another person. I still remember way back when Nike came out with one of their most successful campaigns. They came out with the Air Jordans tennis shoes. You remember those things? What was so cool about Air Jordans is you could pump them up, I think, if I remember. At least there was a version of them. And I still remember the story of national news where a kid had a pair of them on and another kid wanted them. And, and, he, and the kid said, this happened in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He said, no, they're my shoes. And so the other kid blew him away and took his shoes out of envy. Jealousy and envy. It's, it's a hideous, horrible, awful thing when it's left unchecked. Envy drives this ideology that would pit poor people against the rich. As if because somebody has money and they're wealthy, they're evil. That's a terrible ideology. And it's not true. 
And it's no more fair to say that rich people are evil because they're rich than it is to say that poor people are poor because they're stupid. You can't go there and do those things. Certainly, I have no way of quantifying the damage that has been done in churches because people speak out of envy and jealousy. There are churches that are closed today simply because somebody got envious, somebody got jealous, and they got ugly. And they began to spill uh, poison all over the place. And through sins of speech, churches have closed down because somebody got angry and jealous and envious. Oh, we have to be careful about this. Will you just let me do this? Give you just a very quick uh, suggestion on how to deal with envy if it is in our hearts. I would suggest the word confession to you. And I've said this every week in this series. Own it. If envy is in your heart and that beast is there, admit it to God mostly. Humble yourself. Admit it to God. I suggest talk to a trusted Christian leader and say it's there. Confession will help. Confession will, will, will help not contaminate other areas of your life. Confess your anger to God. Confess your envy to God. And speak to a person if you need to. Secondly, celebration. I speak this word this way. If you have a tendency towards towards envy, one of the best things you can do then is make it, make it your, your goal and purposely celebrate when other people enjoy good fortune. If somebody gets a promotion and you don't, be glad for them. Celebrate with them. Humble yourself. Be grateful for them. Be happy that they did it. It won't feel right at first. It'll feel kind of anti-you. When you do it, but do it anyway, because it will become a natural thing. If you begin to practice, whenever something good happens to somebody else celebrating for them, it will help keep envy away. And so do that. And if you have to for a little while, fake it till you feel it. But, but celebrate it. Genuinely thank God when God blesses someone else. Be grateful to the Lord. If you hear somebody has something good happen in their life, celebrate with them. Especially if you're a Christian and another Christian is blessed. Don't go to the, well, God bless them, what about me thing. That's so immature. I'm not trying to be unkind here. Instead say, isn't it wonderful that God bless one of my brothers in Christ or my sister in Christ. I'm so glad that God did this for them. I would just challenge you to look for things to compliment people. If something happens and somebody has a great idea, tell them. Awesome idea. Celebrate with them that that they had a good idea. Or if, again, they get a promotion, celebrate it. Or if they lost a ton of weight, say, and they wanted to. And and they're kind of glad that they've chosen to got more healthy and they, they worked very hard. Tell them, hey, great job. I'm really happy. I'm so proud of you for doing that. You get it. You know, if there's something to celebrate, and by the way, I, I've been remiss today. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but we have a young lady who graduated high school. Congratulations, Kaylee Day. So we, we celebrate with you for that. You know, beautiful singing, man. You did a great job. Don't be jealous because they sing better than you. Celebrate that somebody in the church can sing. <laughs> 
What if everybody sang like that? You know, so be glad they can. I mean, there's something to be grateful for. And then the last word I'm going to use again, and I've used this every week too, commitment. Tell your heart, I'm done with envy and I, I, it's done. I'm com- it's coming out of me. And let me finish this, this message with this statement to you. You know, as I was preparing this series of messages about it came from within. And one of the dangers of this kind of series is that people can kind of go home going, man, every, every week he preaches about something that comes out of the human heart. I got them all. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with all this. And, and we can feel discouraged. And we feel like, man, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm a hot mess. And, and there's no way I can get right. There's no way I can fix any of this. And I want you to know that... There is such hope because here's the beautiful thing. Every week we have read scripture where the the Lord has made it clear when he says, get rid of all bitterness and slander and get rid of your rage and get rid of your anger. Here's the good news. That means you can. That means the beast can be slain in the name of Jesus Christ. You know what? Envy is a beast. And it does awful and horrible, hideous things. But envy cannot, can be slain from your heart and cannot be there anymore if you will work with the Holy Spirit. The hope in my message is this. You don't have to be like this. You don't have to have that green-eyed monster in you. You can be free. Let me tell you, if, you could, if, if we can be free of these things in our hearts that can resurface over and over. If we could be free, think about what that feels like when you no longer carry that guilt and shame and fear that it's going to happen again. I'm so glad that God has set me free from a lot of these things. Is it possible it could surface again? You bet. Because I'm still breathing and I'm still a human being. But I can tell you, God has given me victories over this thing. And I'm grateful. And I want to give you hope. God will give you victory. Uh, my, I hesitate to tell this. I'll, I'll, I'll close with this story. My, uh, when Tyler was up and his fiance was up a couple of days ago, um, we decided, um, my wife Tyler and uh, his fiance Bree, Myself decided we wanted to to do some um, kayaking, so we loaded our pickup truck, the Lord's truck, up with four kayaks. Went up to Bowmanstown, and we launched from Bowmanstown, and we we kayaked down to uh, the house uh, Don Workheiser's house where we are living. And it's about a three-hour kayak trip. It was fun. It was a little bit adventuresome in a few places because the water was high and fast, and and so. Um, Bree had never kayaked before. Tyler had little experience. And so what we decided to do is Darlene would lead the charge. And she did, boy. She likes to hire the worst, the water. She scares me because she doesn't respect it enough in my mind. But she led the charge. And then they followed. And I swept up the rear. I had the most experience. And I figured if somebody has a problem, I can get to them and help them. And we're going down this river. And we're doing well. We were really enjoying ourselves. And we got to a place in the river where there were a couple guys standing out there in their waders and they're fishing. And my wife wasn't aware of where the current was going to sweep her. And she began to get swept right towards this fisherman. And he began to holler. And I was way back. But he began to holler and curse at her because he was convinced that 
she was doing this on purpose. She was trying desperately to get away from him. And he started to curse at her and call her not nice things. And then my son was behind her and he hollered and cursed at my son. And at this point, I'm picking up on some of the words. And I'm thinking, that guy's cursing at my family. And then Bree goes there, and again, she was a little too close, and I could clearly hear what he was saying, and his language was horrible. And I have to tell you, I was so offended by what he was saying. And I had, in my life, an issue with rage. And I'm grateful that God has helped me to, to have victory over rage. Because in that period of my life... I promise you, I would have climbed out of my kayak and he would have eaten a paddle for what he was saying to my family. All I was able to say, and I was angry and rightfully so, I looked at the man and I said, you know what, you're pretty pathetic to be this angry over an accident. I said, how pathetic is that? And I paddled out around him and and I went on my way. And I promise you, the old me wanted to get out of the kayak and just clock them. So I'm telling you this from experience. From a guy who experienced rage and would like, when fixing a car, would throw tools and, and, and blow up and fly into rage. And I told you my little drywall story. I mean, I had that in my life. But God has, God has helped me to get victory. These beasts can be slain. In the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit can sanctify you. And enable you to win. I'm asking you today. To consider this beast of envy. And how God can rid you of it. With his help. You can be free. You don't have to have that ugly hideous thing in your heart. Anymore. Would you bow your heads. And we're just going to sit in silence. Before God for just a moment. As you sit here, it is you, and I promise you, God is present among us. And the first question I have is, is there anyone here who does not have a current relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Meaning you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never asked him to come into your heart and entered into a personal relationship with Jesus. If that is you and you would like to be born again, I'm asking you to simply, quietly, with nobody else looking, slip your hand in the air and say, Pastor Ken, today, I want to surrender my heart to Jesus Christ. I want to belong to him. And then let me speak to anyone in here. And you know, as I've been preaching through this series, God has been speaking to you about some heart issues. And you love the Lord. You want to live right. But you are dealing with something. And you're fighting this beast. And you, you just by lifting your hand. Want to confess to God. I have this. This is in my heart. I love him. I love you Lord. But I want to be right with you. And I'm asking for your help. To overcome this beast in my life. Would you slip your hand up? Would you have the courage to do that? I want to have victory here Lord. And I just acknowledge this to you. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you so much. Father, you see us. You know us. You know our hearts. You know what we need today. And so, Lord, at the conclusion of this day, we just pray from our hearts 
and say to you, we desperately need you to overcome. Make us overcomers through the Holy Spirit. Pour your Spirit upon us, O God, and make us filled with you. In Jesus' name, amen.